and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers. What's on the big gay agenda today, Theora? Well, today we're bobbing our heads for some reason. <laughs> and we're continuing our LGBTQ ship discussion. Woo! Because there's so many fabulous ships we couldn't possibly talk about it in one episode. I don't know why we thought we could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was really ambitious because the, our outline kept getting longer. And I'm like, huh, how long is this going to be? <laughs> it's like, have you met us? Well, have you met our fans? They submitted more than we had, so... Good lord. And thank you for that. We're excited to talk about all these wonderful ships. So shall we get started, Caitlin? Yeah! Let's do it. Woo! I should not be going off as much of a tangent in this episode. (laughs) Oh, stop. Let us, let us see. I don't know, Caitlin, maybe I'll rival you. Let's, let's, uh, let's see. So last episode, we talked about you know, what is shipping and mostly focused on happy ships. Mm-hmm. So if you want your happy feels, go back to that episode. Um, there will be happy feels in this episode, but first we have to get past the sadness. In the, form of... <laughs> the sadness in the form of Titanic ships. And I like to call these kinds of ships Titanic, not just because they sink to the bottom of the ocean, for whatever reason but because the titanic itself is this big epic beacon it was the ship of dreams and we finally had this unsinkable beautiful ship the ship we've all been waiting for and it fucking sinks to the bottom of the ocean so like to me that's what a titanic ship is it's not just an unhappy ending it's an epic ship that just did not make it to their destination so this is the titanic ship section and we are going to start this with the most Titanic ship of all times, Villanelle and Eve from Killing Eve. So this is, we're just starting with the actual Titanic um, because of a horrific person. She he'll, she he'll shall not be named. Um, I don't want to bring the season four showrunner to this because this podcast will never end. So let's just talk about Villanelle and Eve. So to me, this is the ultimate ship um, because first of all, this show was started on a but came from a book series in which these two had a happy ending. Really? But the showrunners of the show were like, let's not do that because they're queer. <laughs> so fuck that. Um, but to me, they have all the elements I want in to for an epic ship. Because you have Jodie Comer playing Villanelle, and this was like really her breakout role. She, as Caitlin pointed out, has two movies coming out right now. She's won several awards. Um, she's a phenomenal actor and it's truly showcased in this show where she's playing the assassin Villanelle, um, who's an agent of chaos. And then you have Eve Palastri, the government really desk worker in MI5 is where she starts, um, played by the supremely talented Sandra Oh. So you have not M15, not M15, MI5. And uh, they're both such phenomenal actors their chemistry so insane that you can still feel it when they're when they are not even in scenes together like it's so crazy palpable their chemistry that it's just you're drawn into just whatever is going on with them because for a while you don't really understand what's going on with them 
So Eve in the show gets promoted into MI6, which is more like government intelligence kind of work. And she gets like recruited on the DL to go after this assassin because for some reason she has figured out that there's this female assassin in the world that's doing all these covert missions. And Eve off the bat is very infatuated with the talent that this particular person has because she's fascinated with darkness and death and all of that kind of stuff. And like the master, the mastery of this particular person that's committing the murders. And she's like, I think it's a woman and she's totally right. Um, And so they end up going through this cat and mouse ordeal. So it's, Enemy, straight up enemies to lover situation that's happening that's subversive and so well done and every acting scene they have together is just you stop breathing because it's just so like captivating and beautiful um the writing is spectacular all the supporting actors shout out to fiona shaw everything about this show like made it so wonderful but the thing that's so epic about them is that the they are the plot of the show like the whole point of the show is their relationship with each other like that is the whole point of the show like there's other stuff going on but like they are the they are the plot um which to me is is unique when it comes to ships because usually ships are like a side effect of the show a side effect of the plot they were the plot like they were the plot of the show and so everything's centered around their relationship and of course in true sapphic fashion they don't get to be happy with each other until the very last episode and then homophobia happens at the very very end so like for me the ship of dreams is season one season two phoebe waller bridge and emerald Fennell's version of villain eve it gets weird after that and i won't rant but they had everything they had it was enemies to lovers phenomenal otherworldly chemistry between the two actors the actors were actors who have a deep understanding of their character what they're trying to achieve um and just it really it it was this good exploration of like the darkness of humanity and the fact that these two that's what they saw in each other that's what their their inner selves are what they were both attracted to and so like they kind of completed each other in a way by like enhancing their like inner identities and um that was what was so beautiful about them. So it wasn't really about the sexual attraction. It wasn't about like the classic things you think of when you think of like what a romance is built on. They were liberating each other in, in, uh, in their identity aspects and they're giving their, you know, Eve gives Villanelle the sense of what autonomy is and like, you know, uh, pushes her to kind of get it and things like that. And so it's a very push and pull type of relationship. And, you just see in the end how well the two of them work together. And it's just this fun, like bantering with each other and just this level of trust that shouldn't be there, but it is. And it's unexplainable. And there's like a mystery element to them because you never fully know what's going on at any any sec- any point in time because they're both unreliable narrators. And so mentally it's stimulating because of who the characters are, how it's written, how it's acted. And it's just... They are the best. And it unfortunately got in the wrong showrunner's hands and ended... Um, in you know sinking fashion in a barrier gaze trope when it didn't have to because the source material has them a happy ship at the end so it was fucked up <laughs> it literally um, ended in a sinking fashion literally no, literally, literally i'm being cruel with my words and keeping in my the nautical theme of this episode but to me they're the ultimate titanic ship because epic on every level you know it's not just like two white people it's like poc 
they never talk about their sexuality. It just is what it is. They just are who they are. And they're unabashedly themselves, which is just, it's wonderful to see in a, in a sapphic ship, particularly that's not always the case. There's usually like misogyny and patriarchy playing on them. And so it was very fun to see that on screen. It just, the ending was completely unnecessary and explained in a way that made no sense for the show. Like the showrunners vision for it was like heavily laced in like Christianity, which came out of nowhere and was never part of the show. And I promise at some point we will do an actual episode about this where I will, I will just rant because I need to for therapy reasons to really talk about it. But um, they were, they were once in a lifetime shit like for me and just didn't need to, didn't need to hit the iceberg, but some brilliant person thought they needed to for artistic reasons. I love that you've got them on the iceberg. All of the ships will be like that. Oh, so sad. It is sad. I they only know two better. episodes of the show. If you want to watch me watch them, that's on our YouTube channel. It's very confusing for me. Caitlin's organic react. Just go to the part where Caitlin or reacts to the finale and just the five stages of grief she goes yeah. through. Yeah. Like, that's just, that was the reaction to watching this. Just the five stages of grief. And then fuck it, let's fix it in fan fiction. Like Caitlin gets there by the end. It's great. But yeah. May they may they live forever in Luke Jennings' original book and fan fiction, where uh the demon that is Laura Neal cannot touch them. All right. So that is my ship. I am done ranting. Now we'll move on to uh, a ship everybody here is familiar with. And that is Alex and Maggie from Supergirl. I love them. Okay, I'll start. Um, first of all, Alex is a character that I relate to so much. She, I just love her. Alex and Maggie, just like the supportiveness of each other. I mean, their journey to like actually come together is a little bumpy because Alex isn't really ready to come out. I mean, which is fair for Maggie because Maggie doesn't want to be with someone who is just figuring out who they are. Yeah. Um, but they were about to get married and what happens? They never thought to talk about, I, I think they did talk about it, but Alex thought she'd be happy not having kids, but she's always wanted kids and Maggie would not change her stance on it. I mean, kids are a big deal. That is the thing. I mean, obviously you should really agree on it before you you know, almost get married, but I did, but they figured it out before they actually got married. So that's something, right? Uh, tragedy. Okay. Why does this have to be the point that ends <laughs> ships? Because this is not the only ship that ended this way. And it's female ships, female yeah. ships. Why does this have to be? Why? It, why? This is the stupidest shit in the world. It I always agree. has to come back to, the freaking one wants to have kids and one doesn't want to have kids and then that's the good god this is the only ship that i've seen have that women oh really no women are not just fucking baby factories right it's just <laughs> there so, are more storylines for for women right and the reason this came about is because the actor that played maggie had to go do other work somewhere so they had to like write her off the show oh so they mm -hmm. chose to do it with this super gendered plotline that I fucking hate, because if they were two men, that would not be the thing that breaks them up. 
Like they would never write this for two men and be like, I want babies. I don't. This would never be the problem. They're like women, babies. Boom. They could have. Okay, so they, they, could have have, things. they could have centered it around her sister. Because one of the things I loved about the show was the sister relationship between Alex and Kara. Totally. And they got away from that. And I started, like, not liking the show as much when they got away from that relationship. Because that was, like, the biggest thing in season one. And so they could have had it, like, Maggie needed to leave. And she wanted Alex to come with her. But mm-hmm. Alex needed to be there with her sister because that is her life. That yes. would have been a better. That would have been better. Yes, instead of just bringing babies into the mix out of nowhere, if like Alex's entire life, like if she'd mentioned multiple times to Cara, like I'm single, I want a baby. I'm single, I want a baby. Because some people generally want to be parents, and like I'm not knocking any of those people, but it's like with women, this thing tends to come out of nowhere and break up relationships. And it's like we've never heard you mention babies ever, and it's so such a big deal. It's breaking up this relationship we spent like a fucking whole season trying to get. It's just so stupid. It's it's it's. However, her scenes with wanting a child are beautiful. Sure. Just, but like the emotion, I just I know like the the way that they broke up is bad. But like her, just that storyline in general was beautiful with her scenes. I just want to say that. But yeah, no. But it is a left but field gendered way they, to break. Yeah, up the, the way that I said it, they could when Floriana was free because who knows how long the show is going to go on. It went on a lot longer. They could have brought her back. And then they could have been OTP. I don't know. Maggie's a police officer gets reassigned to another city. There's a million ways to she do this. She joins M16. M1, MI5. <laughs> right. It, there's a million ways to do it. Why is it babies out of left field? That's the thing I fucking hate about this. That was a stupid iceberg to sink the ship. Because it was beautiful leading up to that. And I love Alex. And I think Alex is an important character who's somebody discovering their queerness later in life. You know, and and this was the first time I ever really saw that in somebody where it was done so genuinely and beautifully. And we talked about in our like coming out episode, I think we talked about Alex's coming out journey and, and her discussions with Cara and things like that. It was just really real and authentic. And like, you could tell that like she was so into Maggie that it like brought her to the precipice where she's like, yes, I accept myself. This is what I want to be. I deserve to be happy. I deserve you. And that was kind of their relationship where they came to that understanding with each other and like to have that be the iceberg will piss me off forever i'm sorry i hate that more than anything because if they were men that would not be this would not be the case nope but they were so happy together yeah but they they, i i absolutely love them they were a great couple in that that show Mm. i miss them let's keep this sadness going (laughs) All right, the next ship I want to talk about, speaking of men, I want to mix in Achilles and Patroclus from Greek mythology and from media-wise, the Song of Achilles, which I just finished reading. And um, they are the I will burn the world down for you ship. And I love that fucking shit. Like, mythology spoiler. So they, uh, Achilles is, if you're not familiar, is a half god um, in the Greek mythology lore. He shows up in like Homer's Iliad, not the Odyssey, um, which centers around the Trojan War that was happening. Like basically the world was over, which is a mythological war as far as we know. And basically like the gods were like, there's too many fucking people on planet earth the goddess Gaia for the earth is getting tired. Let's start a war to get rid of some of them. And so COVID? this is the war. Yes, yeah, this is how this is the mythology of it. 
Um, so they start a war basically between what becomes the Greeks, which at the time were just a collection of city-states. They band together under an oath they took um, between the marriage of Helen and Menelaus, or yeah, Menelaus. Um, and like, basically there's a bunch of bidding for this to marry this woman. And they all had to sign this oath to be like, well, whoever marries her, like we will defend that, you know, that marriage to, to its very end basically is what happened. And so a Trojan prince named Paris, who's duped by the goddess Aphrodite of love, gets tricked into going after Helen and basically cuckolding the other guy. And so he steals her, takes her to Sparta or uh, Troy. And then all the Greeks have to rise up and go win back Helen because they made this oath. And it starts this big giant war. And Achilles is um, was prophesied to be like the greatest fighter who ever lived or like of his generation, basically. Um, and so he meets Patroclus before all of this starts when they're young. Achilles is a prince. And Patroclus was a prince, but he was exiled. And he comes to live with in Achilles' kingdom, basically, under like the, you know, he 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 grows up with Achilles' father with the the idea that he's going to eventually be a soldier for that city-state because he doesn't have a title anymore. And so he grows up around Achilles, and they're around the same age. And Achilles, very famously, like, doesn't like anybody um, except Patroclus. So it's like the anybody but you, only you kind of trope where all he sees is Patroclus, and, like, they become, like, bonded as, like, it's, like, his second kind of thing. Um, but in the book told by Madeline Miller, it's a beautiful story of like them and how they kind of like fall in love with each other and go through this whole epic war and spoiler in the war, Patroclus ends up getting killed by Hector, who's like a, the most noble of all the princes of Troy. He's like the golden boy. And Achilles loses his shit so much that he goes on this like murder rampage. He like kills Hector, drags his body around the city multiple times, which was like a big giant faux pas. Like he loses his mind. Um, and in the prophecy, like it basically said that like Achilles can't die until Hector's killed. So like he does in his own self because he's so blinded by his like love for Patrick. So it's just, it's a beautiful story. And, and in the end of the book, they're like kind of reunited in the other world. But their love is just crazy eternal. And um, I just, I love it. It's the burn the world down for you ship, which is like the height of like passion, like gone wrong. But they were like doomed from the start kind of thing because of like gods intervening and like forces beyond their control. But they still managed to have their happiness while they could kind of thing. And it's beautiful. I love that book. So pretty. So pretty. So... The gays were always here, guys, since yeah, even the real. ancient Greek times. <laughs> and before. Right. Yes. And after. The days of yore and today. So we'll move on from them and go to faking it. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Amy and Karma and faking it. Uh, another ship I really love. Um, so if you don't know what faking it is, Basically, it was a show on MTV, I believe. I didn't see yes, it until yeah, a few years ago. Um, as always with our <laughs> shows that we talk about. Uh, Karma wants to be very popular in high school. So first she tries to be blind and then catches a frisbee when she's supposed to be blind. And she's like, damn it. So what does she do next? 
somebody, uh, one of their friends that becomes their friend, uh, thinks that they're lesbians. And Karma's like, well, let's just play into it and let's be lesbians. So Karma is like, let's just be lesbians. Let's fake lesbians. And then the first episode, they kiss in front of the school to prove that they're lesbians. And then you realize, Amy just realizes that she is a lesbian and is in love with Karma. And so the whole first season is Amy pining after Karma and Karma just going on and on and on about a guy. I was about to say douchebag, a guy. Um, he's not really that. He's just been caught in the crosshair. I, yeah. I mean, he's fine. But <laughs> I love that he's fine. <laughs> he, he's, he's just fine. He's not Amy, though. So we don't yeah. like him. We so don't care. He's just trying to come into her own and figure out and. Eventually, please ignore the dog uh, digging a tunnel in the carpet behind me. Um, Amy meets another girl. She has a girlfriend. Karma gets jealous. Big surprise. Because they love each other. But they don't end up together. No, they do not. Okay, because the show was canceled. Because the, the showrunners or the writer, whoever thought they would get more seasons like you can't do that with queer shows you can't think like they were supposed to end up together they're mm -hmm. supposed to grow old get a house next to each other or and i don't know but they're supposed to get together in college i believe yes it was college yeah but it was like did you really think you were going to have a show that would go all the way to into college on mtv with queers in it no no you, without you, it being a reality show come the hell exactly come on uh that was and i, I understand this is like i get it but it was never gonna happen but, if you look at it from the perspective of the people who have sat here and watched queer media for 20 some odd years i mean it was a show titled faking it so it was mm -hmm. doomed from the beginning yeah but it was title. i love that show it could have it could have been something awesome if they hadn't there were some things they made them think. hate each other in the third season it was oh, yeah. the third this season right? it yes. was that was like the worst because their friendship is at least it's the friendship the glue yeah it's the thing that makes you love the show like and there were ways to do that. There were ways to do these things that were not, it, they just, I don't think the writing was on in the third season. I didn't like their fight. I thought it was nonsense. It was a cop out. Yeah. I didn't like the pool scene. Like ugh. the pool scene was, <laughs> I feel like that was queer. Bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying is like, that's why I'm like, it, it hurt in a way. Cause you're like, why are you, why? What's the motivation here? The first season was definitely the best. Yes. I, I still like the second season. Like with um, her, like you get to see more of Liam, who's the guy that Karma likes, like his background. And he has like a messy family history. And then Amy meets Sabrina. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Sabrina. Who? It's been a hot minute. But I only she, know them by the gay women's channel name. <laughs> what is the gay women's channel name? Uh, that's Janice Ian. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen the show. I've only heard them react to it. And that's, that is my canon. It's Janice Ian. They're also cute together. 
that that ship goes a little better, but not much. But Karma's always jealous because she loves Amy. And like, I mean, even for friends, they're very overly touchy, close. No, they are. They have a romantic friendship from the beginning, and it's yes. completely obvious. So, which is the basis for the whole show. But I feel like they did. They did not use it appropriately in the last season. No, I I have only seen the last season once. I believe I keep trying to rewatch it, and then yeah. I get like midway through season two, and then, well, now you can't find it really. Yeah, without paying, which I mean, yeah, support uh, writers and actors, but when they're actually going to get paid those money and not the studios, mm. yeah. Anyway, I just but they're they're really cute. And I just yep. love seeing Amy's journey too. I I wrote fan fiction. We were gonna fix it. My writing partner and I were <laughs> we, we fixed it. I love that. One of my favorite scenes is Amy in the lesbian, well, the queer cafe, like learning about all the different lesbians and then yeah. trying to flirt with them. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that I appreciated. Thing. And I'm like, oh, like but the thing is, um, don't be like me and have that show teach you how to be queer because it doesn't. Don't yeah, don't do that. Reagan. 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 Yeah. Who's That's Sabrina? Jameson. Sabrina. Is it just like a character? <laughs> I feel like I made that up. No. Wait, I'm not allowed to Google. I promised the R would not Google yes. in this. No episode. more googling. Any okay. more things about Arma? Uh, Arma. Karma <laughs> Amy. No. Karma. Tragedy. Um, just that I love Katie, who plays Karma. And oh yeah, yes, awesome. I love her. I came to the show because of the bold type, and I'm so excited that she played like a queer character. Even though, I mean, it was messy, but like I was gonna take it. She kissed another woman. And I was running. We were with there it. for it. Yeah, I do love her. She's a great actress and just a nice person mm -hmm. from what I've great seen. Great singer too. Yeah. Speaking of great people, let's move on to. Emma Sue. Ah, uh, yes. So it's Emily Dickinson and Sue from the show Dickinson. Caitlin. Oh, okay. You want to recap? So, um, it's been a little while since I've watched this show, but Emily and Sue are best gal pals. <laughs> and Sue becomes engaged to Emily's brother. Well, they get married. Oh, yeah. Well, they get married. I just don't care about that part. Um... <laughs> And Emily and Sue have a thing. And I forget, like, the first season, the, like, they kiss. And they, they're just, they're in love with each other. But Sue marries Emily's brother because, I mean, that's what you do. And she, I believe her parents died. Or, like, she's yeah. basically an orphan. She's orphaned. And at the time, women can't have money mm -hmm. unless it's through a man. Or you just, you're the sole heir and you inherit money. Mm -hmm. So she was literally going to be out on the streets. So she marries Austin Dickinson. And so then they're neighbors and stuff. But so it was like, it's, so I, I don't think to me this is a Titanic ship because like the situation in society at the time, you couldn't be queer even if you wanted to. And as women, you can't be independent unless you, you're, everybody, you know, dies and there's no sons and you inherit all the money. Like there's no way to be independent at all so you're you have to be tethered to a man so both of them end up tethered to austin dickinson who's the only boy in emily's family and he ends up supporting emily her whole life because she ends up being a spinster so these are this is based on real people 
and the actual diary or, or diary poetry written by Emily Dickinson, where in which a lot of it was written to Sue, but her name was removed by the homophobes in Emily's family when they were selling off her poetry, but later archivists looked at it and were like, wait a minute, something was removed. And all these romantic letters were written to Sue. So this is a real relationship that actually mm -hmm. happened. And the show was highlighting that relationship that's been erased by on purpose by members of Emily's family when they were like uh, selling her poetry and, and publishing it and things like that after her death. So this is a real relationship that really happened, but they weren't outwardly together because of the society they were in, mm -hmm. but they were in love forever. Like it starts with them like in, in their first season, like they were romantically entangled with each other the entire, their entire lives. I wasn't sure like where it went. I just like if they weren't like end up together. They do though. Like like if you've ever seen um there's a movie with Molly Shannon. I was one of my favorite movies ever ever and I uh, Wild Nights with Emily, I think is what it's called. And it's about Oh yeah, end, I wanted to see it. It's about the end of their uh, the end of Emily's life. And they were together Emily's entire life. Like they okay, were well, together. I didn't know that. That's okay. But they're it's they are tragic in the sense that they couldn't publicly be together. Right. And, like, who had to be married to a man for financial stability. Luckily it was Emily's brother. So they were always going to be family quote unquote because of that. So they were, they had an excuse to stay tethered their entire lives and be very close. Which so they were smart on Sue's part, uh, even though Emily hated it. <laughs> and also yeah, who would like it? It's like, it's like you were stuck in that societal situation where it's <laughs> right. Be homeless? Like Sue only... had no options. She had to get married to live. exactly because that was I mean, that's patriarchy. Because, like you said, there's only one actual person in history that th they also fictionalized that actually did get a chance to live authentically. And Anne Lister, baby, yeah, and Lister. But again, so. Anne Lister, I was going to add inherited. That inherited because her older brother died mm -hmm. who was going to be the heir the lister heir he died she by default became the heir and got all the it money. was just amazing that she actually did inherit it because you know entailment at the time was yeah such a i mean yeah but what they did to her wife like, later was fucked up exactly claimed she was crazy and mm -hmm. then used that excuse so the men could steal all her just money really glad that that never happened with these characters yeah. so i i would argue that people. emily and sue had a ended up having a happy ending in the sense that they their love endured and endured to this day personally but um they were so beautiful and this show was super fun the way it was done mm -hmm. um, it was such a great show such oh my a great gosh because like i don't like period pieces so it, it was enough uh modernization i guess to like get, capture me and Ah, I learned more about Emily Dickinson. Apparently not enough, but <laughs> Emily Dickinson is a whole other topic we could talk about. But mm -hmm. I love the way this was acted between the two of them. It was um, great. Their chemistry was fantastic. There's a Taylor Swift song because, of course, there is. Because um, <laughs> their love is so beautiful. But um, the actress that plays Sue, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Forgive me, actress that yeah. plays Sue. But I know that playing this role helped her go on her queer identity journey um which i thought was really special and beautiful so it you know she's like playing uh playing sue helped her come to terms with her queerness which is really beautiful so 
all around important show if you haven't seen it it's on apple it's only three seasons which apparently was the intention since the beginning i yeah. learned today um ella hunt ella hunt thank you she's a great actor but they're so beautiful and cute and, and Haley's such a great like Ugh. physical comedian mm -hmm. yeah, like she's so great she's great more lesbian roles for Haley, please. She does yes. that well. <laughs> yes, please. Haley's so a good. great lesbian. She's a fun actor. I really enjoy her on screen. So same. I love I love the show. Could talk. Could literally talk about it all day. And and the fact that this is rooted in real people just makes it all the more special that the queers have always been here, having relationships that stand the test of time, despite the circumstances they were in. If you want All us right. to talk more about it, please let us know in the comments. Yeah, yeah for sure. Speaking of, well, I guess just sadness. I'm going to talk about this ship, um, which is Danny and Jamie from The Haunting of Blind Manor. I'm not going to spoil the show. Yeah, I haven't because, seen it. Because if you haven't seen it, this is one, like for me personally, this is one of those pieces of media that blew me away in such a way that when it was over, I like sat there and just reevaluated my life it was just so powerful like the message of this show so if you're somebody who doesn't like horror spooky stuff it's really not horror in the sense that there's jump scary things it's done by mike flanagan and if you're not familiar with him him and his wife like create all of these like horror type tv adaptations i think fall of the house of ushers coming out soon but um which sounds really good but he loves to just show you that the true horror in life is just emotions <laughs> and so it's more it's not about like scary monsters it's more just about like emotions the way they torment you and that's kind of what this show is about but it's it's beautiful and danny and jamie were not something i saw coming which is partially why it was great i watched it because i was like i love the haunting of hill house i really like mike flanagan i don't like horror but let's watch it this blew me away um Fun fact about this show. So the act, the actress that plays Jamie was originally not cast for Jamie. So if you're, are you guys, either of you familiar with The Haunting of Hill House? Yes. Okay. So with nice. Mike Flanagan, he likes to, he casts his wife in everything. So she's in all of these. And the same cast that did The haunt, uh, the um, Haunting of Hill House, which is a, another phenomenal one, also queer. His wife plays a queer character in that. His wife is bisexual in real life, but she she plays a queer character in it um theo who i love but it's the same cast and then they're in this one and they're not connected stories they are independent they're almost like mini series like the shows um but they have the same cast members so originally jamie was um supposed to be a man and the man um played uh, victoria who's the one that plays Danny Victor they played twins in the other show so the executives at Netflix were like please do not cast people who are twins in the other episode that lo that looks incesty so then they recast Jamie and Amelia Eve got the part so it was never meant to be a queer story it just that's how it got cast um and which makes it all the more special that it's just it's just about love it had nothing to really do with the gender of the people it had to do with their love and like how it endures and like all that kind of stuff and there are some beautiful like jamie has this one monologue and mike flanagan likes to do monologues he has she has a monologue in here that's so stupidly beautiful i'll never get over it and just the two of them had this just beautiful 
love with each other where it was it was based on trust something very real and it it endured despite their circumstances to the point where it became like a haunting thing later but I was so touched by them I wrote so much fan fiction about these two just because that it was just such a beautiful story the two of them and I just I didn't see it coming and for me that usually makes it more special when it's just like whoa like I didn't know this was going to be I mean I assumed because it was Mike Flanagan there's gonna be lesbians but like boom there they are and because it's not about the romance it's about so much more than that and like yeah this this we, we were planning on doing episodes about this this year but we for halloween but uh the strike we can't do it but maybe next year we'll talk about danny and jamie and maybe the rest of the mike flanagan gaze because it's just so beautiful sometimes i don't have the words like this the show and and these two in particular well one day it. i'll watch it oh it's so good all right so we'll move on from things that i'm ranting about to something we've all seen which is avatrice ava and beatrice i put them in the tragic section because where season two left off was super tragic for the two of them one says i love you one hears it one says i love you the other one doesn't hear it, it gets thrown into another dimension so tragic from where we left off in the canon. So that's why I put them here. I mean, she pushes her in there and then says, I love you. Because she was going to die if she did it. Mm -hmm. like, there are reasons. But they're tragic right now in the canon. So who wants to talk about Avertress? They better become untragic. Okay. If you've never seen Warrior Nine, get just, just, it's, there's, we have episodes. Watch our episodes. <laughs> Watch our episodes. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we have all of our reaction videos are on YouTube. We have so many interviews and everything about Warrior Nine. Just go check out our page. Yeah, if you really, really watch it and then watch our interviews with the cast, some of the cast and crew, because uh, we got to interview Christina. So who plays? Who plays Beatrice? Beatrice. So uh, Warrior Nine. Um, you've got Ava, who is tragically paralyzed when we meet her uh from a young age because she was in a car accident with her um mother so her parents or her mother and her parents mother? both of them parents she's both yeah orphaned. so she lost she lost her parents she's an orphan and she is in this kind of this orphanage that is run by nuns in spain well by I don't want to like have people not seen this if they haven't. I'm kind of like. I think have... we can safely assume our audience has watched this. Yes, so just, like, she's she's a, she's like them. murdered by the nun that's taking care of them because she's a, absolutely bananas, and so she gets taken away. Her body gets taken away. A very uh, magical type. What am I trying to say? Why halo. is my brain today? It's the halo, but I'm trying. There's a word that I'm trying to think of that's that's like a piece of what? Anyway, so the halo, which is a thing that gives relic. power, a relic. Thank you of some yeah. sort that gives power to who whomever has it in them and is used by a sect of nuns that are literally warrior nuns 
So you have the warrior nun, the one that bears the halo, the halo bearer. Um, and they end up, she ends up, her body ends up alongside the dead, the dead warrior nun and to hide the halo from the people that are trying to get it the people that are trying to get it the they put it into ava's body so ava is not a warrior nun not a nun at all she was just a person and she wakes up and is alive again and has and can walk for the first time since she was seven and so she goes on a, a walk about while the nuns are trying to track her down and to be like, hey, uh, you've got the halo, so we kind of need that. And since it's in you, I guess you're the warrior nun. Surprise. <laughs> so she, for circumstances beyond her control, gets realived and given a position resurrected, <laughs> resurrected with responsibility. This is bisexual Jesus. <laughs> Yes. And then she so, meets Beatrice, who's in one the, of the order. nuns is in the order, the, the order of the cruciform sword. So Beatrice is one of the nuns, and she is in this order because she's the gay and her family didn't like that. And yeah. so she gets hidden away uh in the order, and she kind of comes into her own identity again after meeting Ava. And of course, there is lots of gay yearning looks and things of that nature. And you just automatically, they just from the, the first, I just, geez, Beatrice's little uh, monologue telling, basically coming out to Ava, wonderful stuff. And then they grow closer and it's one of those, are they going to, are they not going to? Beatrice needs to get over her <laughs> herself because she's like her responsibility is to protect the warrior nun all right and that's Ava she and Ava get to go away for a certain amount of time and live in an apartment together and it's super gay they have a gay furnishings they <laughs> share a bed <laughs> and work in a bar and then when they have to come save the world it gets all tragic and sh and she is because guess what we're at the end and we're fighting the big bad guy adriel who is not an angel just fyi fighting adriel in the end and ava is injured to the point where she's about to be ded and that's when they choose Right before that big fight, they kiss each other, and then she goes away in a portal the the portal of the butthole. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my sister aptly named, I guess. <laughs> and Theora hates it when I tell Theora all the actors hates it when, when I the butthole. You bring it up. <laughs> you bring it up to actors. Like, oh, that. Uh, so she goes through the what is space no it's, just, it's an interdimensional <laughs> portal it's an interdimensional the portal the arc yes so she <laughs> kind of pushes her gently into the stream of the portal and right after ava says i love you and she's disappeared beatrice says i love you and then turns around and sits down and then it's tragic and we hate it 
and then they canceled the show. Yes, but there'll be movies that'll continue it. So for now, it's a tragic we ship. We got it back. Um, for now, it's a tragic ship. But okay, so what do you like about Aver and Beatrice? I ship. love. Once again, we've got opposites. Yeah, but you can see genuinely the the acting is wonderful. The way the chemistry is wonderful. The way that the story is told, a lot of people were have problems with the pace, or not a lot of people. Some people complained about the pacing because it was like, oh my god, are they ever going to get? It? And it's like, no, I, it it made sense to, for them to me, Correct. because that annoys me as well it, when they're just not getting like, come on. But no, it made sense. The characters were very well written. The, I love, uh, once again, we've got women with weapons who are badass and, you know, yes. can beat the crap out of anybody that c they come up against. And you have the very tragic and uh, my, one of my favorite tropes, the, um, come on, my brain is not working today, the reluctant hero. Which would be Ava, who embraces her role in the second season and, you know, does her best. I love that we got het baited with this show. Like there was yeah. het baiting. There's for a het baiting second. in season two. It's wonderful. I like that the two of them cause each other to like mature in a way. Um, yes. Uh, if you go on our Discord server, one of our lovely friends in there wrote a beautiful essay about the two of them and their relationship and like sums it up way better than I can in this episode. So go check that out. Um, yeah, they they hit all the marks basically. And it's again, it's ground it's grounded in something real and it's not just a you're hot, I'm hot, let's mm -hmm. do this thing. So Yep. Ten out of ten for Ava and Beatrice. All right, let's move on to other ships that we a ship that we covered in another episode, which was the Paper Girls. So they have a, a sapphic ship of KJ and Mac, and I'm putting them as a tragic ship because of the show got canceled. But in in the comics, basically, uh, they basically end up going on this journey together where they kind of discover their sexuality or their attraction to each other. Again, it's based on like them trying to get out of danger, and they have to learn to trust and rely on each other and it's very sweet and really beautiful. Even in the show, what we have is is wonderful, especially KJ's story. But in the comic books, basically at the end, their memories get wiped. So they don't remember any of the stuff that they went on and their little romance that they had together. But it like ends on a, a hopeful note of like, maybe that everybody will get back and be friends and maybe this can restart where it picked up or a new way. So I just want to throw them in there because it is tragic, but uh it's a beautiful story nonetheless I, I love them i really wish we could have seen more of them i know it was it was it literally it's some fuckery that the season one ends with like the two of them getting like trapped in a spaceship together and like going somewhere else and so like it would have started with the two of them together to like work through their stuff so it would have been nice but alas here we are in the cancel your queers era unfortunately but the comics exist they are really fun if you've never read them they're easy to read and they're really great and insightful about just like many things, humanity, a lot of stuff we talk about prior. So I won't get into here. 
All right, so that concludes our tragic ship section. So we can't end any of this on a sad note. So let's let's move into platonic ships because you know, like the definition of ship said, like it's it's fans getting together and rallying for two or more people to kind of like be either romantically or sexually involved. So like to me, romance doesn't necessarily can be platonic like it can just be this really deep connection that's like unlike anything else in your life so i thought it was important to kind of like highlight those ships because they're important and for me the epitome of what platonic ships are are alana and abby from broad city and the show is literally centered around their incredibly unique beautiful unbreakable friendship that has flirting in it that comes from alana but and is not entirely reciprocated by abby they're both queer like in the show abby in real life um and abby jacobson is the one who stars in and wrote and helped create the league of their own series this show is hilarious if you've never seen it it was on comedy central it's basically about these two disaster friends that live together in not together they live in new york city they don't like cohabitate and it's just their day-to-day journeys through like new york and and really through the end of the show it's just about their friendship and how unbreakable it is and how important platonic close friendships are which is the whole point of this show and like the I'm so sad to this day that the final season didn't get an Emmy because it really deserved it, especially for the last episode and the way it encapsulated that message with the two of the two of them so beautifully. So to me, Alana and Abby are from Broad City are just the ultimate platonic ship. I fucking love them. They are hilarious. Caitlin, you might like this show. <laughs> I watched a little bit of it. It was get good. past the first season. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right. Anything else about Alana and Abby before we move on? Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Is that from this show? Yeah. No, <laughs> no that's from Parks and Rec. Wait. The dance that don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. That's Parks and Rec. Okay. I was going to do a Parks and Rec ship for this too, but literally the point of the show is their platonic friendship, which is why I brought it up. And they're queer, so. All right. Next is Caitlin's platonic ship. And one we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. This is because I was trying to figure out something. And like, this is all I could remember us talking about. And so Camilla and Yasmin. From Warrior Nun. Yes, from Warrior Nun. Those two are both chaotic and goofy. And they just work well together. And <laughs> just to think about the adventures they could go on together. Oh, Yes. I would love to see it. <laughs> it's like not even stuff that was like on screen. I don't rem- I don't fully remember. They didn't have many scenes together, I feel like. No. But they definitely they had a friendship. Yeah. Yeah, but just think it they could get into so much trouble together. So mm-hmm. much humorous trouble. And you know they'd both plot to uh get Avatrice in some interesting situations. <laughs> of course. I want to see them plot to get themselves in interesting situations. Yeah, they should go out sure. to a bar and try to get dates. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. With the erotic pastry van. I could see I could see them like trying to play um practical jokes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that we're trying to get nuns to go to a bar and <laughs> get dates. I'm sorry. Where did the nuns start off in the beginning of season two? At a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Is it far fetched? Is it? No. 
So, Caitlin, there is another ship, their platonic friendship, we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and that's Tally, Abigail, and Rail from Motherland. Mm -hmm. I'd argue that they are a platonic ship because they are witches and they're a coven and they are well, not really in the in the layman term not the motherland term mm -hmm. but they're essentially bonded together as a unit and so like they do have a deep meaningful friendship that's very platonic and unique and it's what gets them through the whole entire show like intact so i'd argue that they are a they're a good platonic yep. ship we've talked about quite a bit and i love Agreed. them I love them. And the three of them are so very different mm -hmm. from their backgrounds to their specialties to like their personalities, sexualities, all that stuff. Um, but they work, you know? Yep. And they complement each other. So, yeah, that was the other great ship of the show is those three as a unit. Yes. So never discount your platonic ships, especially when they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's one last ship. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Caitlin. Theo's going to kill me for this. I just want to give an honorable mention, even though we don't have a slide for them, because we brought it up. Um, if we're going to do these three, I think we need to also put uh, the bold type the trio in there. Oh, yeah. That's a good so one. So, Cat. Oh, my God. I'm getting their real names confused with their show names. Cat, Megan Fahey, and Katie. <laughs> I can't remember these other two characters. I don't remember their now. character names really either. Oh my gosh. Um, the, the bold type. <laughs> yes, the bold type the trio. They are always so supportive of each other and they're just like getting through life in New York together. And I just, they're very nice. I love them so much. They're, the friendship is just something I've always wanted. And I finally. I wish we were all together in the same town. I know. But yeah. yeah. So check out that show as well. That show is really great. And there's queer stuff in it. Yes. All <laughs> right. So last up for before we get into the land of dreams, there's one more ship we haven't talked about that we've we have Caitlin and I have yelled about on this show, and I didn't know where to put it. So I'm putting it here. And that <laughs> is um <laughs> That is from Exo Kitty, which is Kitty and Yuri. I deleted all of my banners that say Kitty loves Yuri. <laughs> so the reason I don't know what to do with the ship or what to call them is because basically, like, in, we've talked about this at length, but in season <laughs> Kitty essentially, yeah, you can't see their name. Um, Kitty essentially goes on a journey of learning she's not a straight person. And it has in large part to do with this character, Yuri, here, who is her, like, queer sexual awakening, or queer awakening, at least. Um, and so where it ends in season one is, like, they have feelings for each other and they've both realized it, but nothing has happened. It's getting a season two. So I don't know if this is going to be a happy ship, a platonic ship at the end, a sad ship. We just don't know. But yeah. it's, it is continuing, but it's something LGBT is happening to kitty and yuri and so i had to put them here and shout out to them they're a they're a fun to watch and i do like their journeys together they're very fun they are but right now um kitty is most likely going to start with mino in the next season which is yuri's real life brother it was bitter about <laughs> i am actor. bitter about it yeah, so we shall see in season two, but uh, they are the something, something is a happening ship, 
And so I'm excited to see where they go. They're also pretty cute together. They are very cute together. I, I do love them. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.